0: Welcome to Unfighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighters. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Jaleel Barnes as part of our series on Muay Thai-Gram. We will be covering the sponsored athletes of Muay Thai-Gram, so Angela Chang, Jaleel, Omar Halalbi, and Brogan Stewart. As always, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai, or email me at a period Matt period Lucas at gmail.com. Also, my website, wwwmat lucascom Thanks to everyone that supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review that would be super helpful, you can do so on the iTunes store. As always, a book plug, I have published I'm Fighting in Thailand, it's a guide to the sport in the motherland. It goes over scoring, matchmaking, picking and gym, fight styles, gambling, Muay Thai culture, and more. It has a series of uh, interviews with long-term expat fighters, including Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Brealy, Angela Chang, and others. Uh, you can get it in print or as an ebook off of Amazon. So again, that's I'm Fighting in Thailand. Thanks to my sponsors, Knockmoy Legends, for their continued support of the show. They create some great Muay Thai apparel with portions of the proceeds going back to the legends they celebrate. All the superstars have been paid for their images as well. Check out their gear at www.knockmoylegends.com. Use OnFighting to get 15% off your order. Thanks, as always, to Patrick Rivera for helping get this show started I think when this episode airs, his gyms in Sacramento and some of the California area have shut down again. So obviously, tough times for a lot of people in America and around the world because of COVID. But I believe in Patrick. He's doing a great job pivoting and really helping Muay Thai as a business grow. So I really appreciate his support. A little bit about our guest today, Jaleel Barnes. So I met Jaleel in person uh, six or seven months ago. At the beginning of the year, he was training out of F.A. group, which I, of course, am friendly with, having worked there for quite some time. And he fought a couple times out of the gym. Also, his trainer, Aaron Boggs, is frequently looks at my content and shares it, especially my Instagram. So I was pretty aware of Jaleel through Aaron and then also seeing him at FA group. He was at Lama Moons and Marcy Maxwell um, said that he was quite good. So I met him. He We talked briefly. He went to Chiang Mai and then he connected with me again and that's really when we started working together and when we started working on Muay Thai Moy Thai Graham together. So without further ado, the interview with Jaleel Barnes. So thank you Jaleel for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking your time out.
1: Of course.
0: So let's get down to the nitty gritty of it. Mm-hmm. What? drives you? What why are you out here? What part brings you through this? Um,
1: this is actually a question that I ask myself a lot (laughs) because I don't have this like, you know, like my parents died in a burning building type why but I think ever since I was a kid, like, I watched all the corny kung fu movies of like some dude who like goes across the world and like trains and becomes a monk and, you know, does martial arts and stuff. And I always thought that was, like, the coolest lifestyle. So I was like, okay, when I grow up, like, in third grade, we had the career project. And my job was, like, I wanted to be a ninja. (laughs)
0: And they're like,
1: that's not, like,
0: a real job. Uh, I think it is a real job. I think, like, in Japan, there's, like, a village that's looking for ninjas. I might, after I'm done
1: with Muay Thai, I might look into that. (laughs) But, yeah, my why is just, like, I think it's just who I am. Like, you know... I just love to fight. I love martial arts um, and just, like, bettering myself.
0: So, obviously, bettering yourself, everyone says that sort of stuff. Everyone, you hear about the positive shit all the time. Yeah, but, yeah. obviously, you're out here, you're fighting, you go through shitty times. Mm-hmm. Um, what, exa- what is an example of hardship you went through, and how did you feel when you were overcoming that?
1: Um... I think a hardship that I went through and am still going through, I moved here like right pre-COVID, you know, and just it it was kind of a different Thailand, like the Thais don't talk to you or they see you walking towards the elevator, they are hold up and close the door. And like, you know, they're just really and I'm here by myself. So it was like really lonely. And I kind of just got I honestly got this bad taste in my mouth for Thai people like right off the bat. I was just like, okay they're just shitty like no one wants to talk to me how am I supposed to learn Thai if I can't speak to people like and like it was just a hardship of like being like this is not you know real Thai. this is not normal life you know people are scared they're scared they're not you know as educated as you you know
0: I think even educated people and yeah in reputedly educated problem uh, areas of the world yeah. are having problems right now so yeah, you know, yeah. i'm not going to say any country in specific america <laughs> but you know
1: yeah and it was just it was hard like trying to be a normal not pessimistic person during that whole time yeah
0: i think it's also hard because i do agree with you i i feel like a lot of ties were on edge especially at the beginning of Corona. I feel like people have loosened up a lot more. Yes, for sure. But I think that the loneliness and sense of estrangement mm-hmm. is real. Mm-hmm. You know, living abroad for a long period of time. You yeah. know, more than three months. Yeah. Is gonna make you feel weird. Yeah. It's gonna make you feel very different, and you're gonna, you are not Thai. Mm-hmm. You are not from this country. Yeah. I think it's a very good experience to feel, especially because not a lot of Americans travel outside of the country yeah
1: yeah it's not like america where you know you can be asian you can be black you can be white and people might just assume you know maybe you're from another country but you're probably american you know mm-hmm. here yeah. it's like you're definitely not thai you're just <laughs> falang
0: you're just yeah. foreigner, you know um <laughs> so uh, do you feel you've overcome that like what how have you Build up a resilience to that problem, or how have you solved that problem?
1: um I think it's it was a bigger problem than I was thinking it was. It wasn't just you know oh they're scared and they're treating me different. It was a lot of there are so many smaller cultural differences that I wasn't just picking up on. You know it's like it's culture shock honestly. Like there are things that I was like okay this is just stupid that Thai people do it this way, but it's not stupid. It's just different. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm bringing my own biases from where I used to live over here and just labeling it stupid when really it's just I need to learn how to accept it. And yeah, I am. I am starting to accept these things. Not like that. It's good or bad, but it's just different. And it's just how things work. So, yeah, I'm coming along.
0: I do think it takes a long time to understand Thailand's point of view. Yeah, because the things that they do and the way they see things make sense. Mm-hmm. If you're looking through their eyes. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult for foreigners, especially, to look through their eyes and sort of understand their viewpoint. Which yeah. is where a lot of confusion comes from. And, you know, when you look back at your own country and your own, like, origins, there's a lot of stuff that we do. Which is pretty fucking stupid, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just dumb. Yeah. I mean, there, I, I'm not saying Thailand is as paradise Mm because it's not yeah but there's a lot of things that the west fucks up on as well
1: and i think my first time this is my second time in thailand my first time i saw only the good things Mm -hmm. you know i was here for like two months two plus months and i was just like oh it's so amazing you know and then i move here and i'm like okay you start to see
0: yeah there's (laughs) there's things that are fucked up yeah there's especially when you stay long term Mm -hmm. you see more You see the real life, which that means you see the good things, you know, that you won't see short term. Like, okay, great thing about Thailand is that you can eat fruit every day, you know, fruit salad. (laughs) Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. But you're not going to see like the long term good things like, you know, kids... In Muay Thai, growing up mm-hmm. and going through things, and that right. can be a really powerful experience. Yeah. You're also not going to see like some of the long term bad things as well. Yeah. You know, kids growing up yeah. and going through experiences, yeah. which can be very rough. Yeah. Um, but I guess backtracking a little bit. How mm-hmm. did you begin? You started at Ronin Training Center with uh, Boggs, right? So I Boggsies?
1: So Boggsies, <laughs> my man! Uh, shout out uh, Coach Aaron Boggs at Ronin Training Center, first and foremost. Um, but no, I started, um, honestly, I started on YouTube videos, watching martial arts on YouTube videos, <laughs> before I could afford a gym membership, before I could get a job. And... I loved MMA at this time, right? Because it was I was like, oh, Anderson Silva, yada, yeah, yada, how, yada.
0: How old were you? 30? 40? What? what is this some type of... That's obviously a joke. You're 22. Oh, I'm
1: 22 now, <laughs> so I was probably like 16 before I could get up. 15 before I could get a job. And once I got my first job, I was like, yeah, find the closest MMA gym so I could train MMA. And it was like this gym, top dog MMA. And I trained there for some time while I was in high school. And I started wrestling because of it because everyone in MMA was like, man, I wish I would have wrestled. So I was like, all right, I'm going to wrestle my last two years of high school. So I wrestled my last two years of high school, and I started with MMA at Top Dog. And then something happened where the trainers left. They moved to mm-hmm. Florida. So I needed a new gym. So, and Ronan was like this legit gym in Columbus. I lived like 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me just try it out. I went to Ronan. I did an MMA class there. And then I did, this was my first time ever doing, like, a full, like, Muay Thai only class, right? Because I did MMA, and I did it with Coach Boggs, and I was like, yeah, I love this. Yeah, this is shit. Yeah, and I just, because with MMA, I felt it was just a mosh posh of so many different martial arts. But then when I found Muay Thai and I looked up the videos, it just had, like, this culture, this identity, this tradition, like, a whole different type of beauty to it. And so I dropped MMA. Teams,
0: yeah, um. So you fought most of your career in America, out of Ronin, or your entire career? Yep. Okay. Entire, if I um. And you fought at a lot of the tournaments. You fought at, mm-hmm. if on one of the Ifma teams. Yep. Can you? I actually have never been to the tournaments in the states. What mm-hmm. was that experience like? You fought at TBAs twice. Oh man,
1: I fought at TBAs three times. Mm-hmm. I think three times, and fought at Rev Gear twice. I've fought at the yeah Pam Peterson they're their events a lot but it was amazing because once i started muay thai i dove into it i knew all the fighters i knew everyone there was to know so going to these big those those big events i'm seeing all these people who i kind of like hold at like celebrity mm-hmm. level like i would see like asa ten you know walk past me and i'd be like hi asa and he'd hey. turn around like who said that and i'd be like oh so like yeah just seeing Mingo. I like florida yeah. <laughs> Seeing people like him and a bunch of other, Troy, Trouble Jones, oh, yeah, like those guys, guy. I looked up to them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like, I want to, I want to, I, I was jealous. Like, I want to be on the US team. I want to do all this stuff, you know? So doing all those competitions was amazing. It's like a big gathering of mm-hmm. Muay Thai people, you know, who just love Muay Thai. Yeah.
0: And so you won TBAs? I won TBAs, uh, C class, A and A
1: class twice. Mm-hmm.
0: And how many times did you fight in the tournaments?
1: Um, C, um, when I fought C-Class, I fought three times.
0: Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah.
1: And then I fought A-Class. My first time fighting A-Class, I fought twice. Oh, that's and then okay. my third time fighting
0: A-Class, I only got one fight. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. That's okay, though. Yeah. And so what was uh, if my experience like? How did you get on the team? Where did you go? Oh. Who was on the team? The coaches? All <laughs> that sort of stuff. All right, so... I'm going to let you
1: in on my whole how I got on the team plan, me and Boggies. yeah, I love coach Boggies because this is like we ha we set goals and then we just planned on how the hell we were mm. going to do them right that
0: that is a very, very good piece of advice yeah. for people to do, yeah, and like I said people... write shit down and then yeah. you know tackle it
1: and coordinate with your coaches, like I see some gyms or their coaches are like, we do everything and you just shut up and you take the fights we get, and it's like. But it's your career. You need mm-hmm. to put it into your hands. As, you know, a little bit respectfully. A little bit. Yeah, respectfully I agree with that. Communication is key with your coach. Yeah. And me and Boggy's communicated. Like, what are we gonna do? You know what? I was I was feeling ignored. You know, so I was like, okay, every fight, I'm. These are the people I'm gonna target because these are the people who have been on the team or, ha- or the eyes are on them. And every time I fight, we're gonna send a, to uh, Corley. Hey, mm-hmm. Jaleel just won this fight against this person. You know, every yeah. single time. So, and that's all we did. We just went around not picking opponents, just, like, taking, you know, taking mm-hmm. names yeah. every time. And, yeah, we just went around the country <laughs> just <laughs> taking names, you know, and eventually... Who we're,
0: who were some of the people that you fought in America? Uh,
1: names. Kevin Rhodes, Preston Anderson. These are all guys oh, who are yeah. like I looked up to initially, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, Kevin Rhodes, Preston Anderson. Um, oh, my gosh, his name escapes me right now. Um, I'm sorry that I'm forgetting you. Dutch, you know who you are. Um, I can't think of your name right now. It's okay. But yeah, just... just
0: I, I know Preston. He yep. came out here a while ago. Mm-hmm. Was, he was out here for a short period of time. He yeah. probably should have stayed longer. Um, yeah. And then I know Kevin Rhodes is somewhat mm-hmm. active in America. Yeah. What was the uh, my experience itself like? You fought in the Pan Ams in South uh, America? It was
1: a South American Cup in Colombia. Yeah, it was amazing. Like... It was it was uh it was one of the most amazing experiences I've had just because we clicked the team, everyone, mm-hmm. we clicked immediately. Who
0: who was on the team?
1: Preston, uh not Preston, sorry. Kevin Rhodes, me, Ahmed, uh Yasmin, um Brandon Kurosawa, Philip Ignacio, uh and I'm forgetting one more person who Oh, Ryan Faithy. Um and who else? Was there anyone? I'm sorry if I'm forgetting. A know. lot of
0: those guys have gone on and are continuing to fight. Yasmin is fighting, I think, in Mexico soon. Yeah. She just switched over to boxing club with yep. Jesse Magson. Yes. Je- um, and then uh, Brandon also recently fought in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I think he's fighting in Mexico soon, and too. And guess who
1: he's fighting in Mexico? He's fighting Philip Ignacio, who oh, was on really? the team. Yeah. Oh. So I'm excited to watch them. I told them to make it more exciting than me and Kevin's fight. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, and we just, we all clicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the coaches, Marcy, G- Coach Magazine. Marcy is
0: dope. She's awesome. Uh, oh, who were some of the other coaches? Sorry. Coaches,
1: Ricardo Perez. Oh, he cool. A Really sweet guy. Uh, you know Rami was yep. there. Uh, Marcy, like we just said. and, <laughs> and uh,
0: Yeah, and then all the fighters. And how many times did you fight, and what was that experience like?
1: Mm, okay, I fought three times in total. Uh, the first fight, it was, it was the experience overall. It was a cool experience. Some of the countries, it was cool to see where America's Muay Thai level was in comparison to some of the uh, South American countries. Uh, where,
0: where would you say the American's level was at?
1: America's number one
0: in terms of the North America and South America yeah, was Canada of, there?
1: No, Canada was not there. Um, Peru is a good country that was there. Mexico had some killers. Um all the every country had like, you know, one or two good fighters. Brazil had some good fighters, but I think America we just were we really were on our shit that tournament. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we all clicked and it was like a good chemistry and we just we killed it. Did I say Coral was on the team too?
0: Oh, you did yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Coral, Coral is pretty active of and yeah. she's quite good. Um, she had that fight a while ago with Nicole Fernandez. Oh, really? Yeah, she she beat Nicole Fernandez. It was a very good fight. You know, mm. I, I Nicole is one of the I think one of the leading lights in her weight class, and yeah. Coral beat her, and it was good. Yeah. You know, good for Coral. I think. Is she signed to Glory or what? Coral. Uh, Coral. I think she did have a big sign. Yeah, I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, she gets back to fighting as well. Yeah. Um. Fights. So after IFMA, was that when you went overseas, came out here for the first time? Um, My first time, no, that was before
1: IFMA. My first time was last year, 2019, January. I went to my yeah. Somali's camp in Ubon
0: which is a very underrated gym yes like it, I think more foreigners need to go to Isan and mm-hmm. Lama Moon's gym is a is pretty perfect in a lot of ways
1: it's very perfect Lama Moon takes like I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna say he spoils you he looks out for you mm-hmm. when you're there he takes really good care of you like I want him to come back to Thailand so I can go over to him and like show him some love because he really took care of all of us. And we still have guys who went over after that trip and he took really good care of them, you know.
0: Yeah, if people are unfamiliar with Lama Moon, who's the vampire knee of Uban Rachatani, mm-hmm. a late golden era fighter, uh, Lama Moon Sor Sumali, mm-hmm. he, um, he developed... a a lot of foreign fighters as well. Yeah, his own career was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he he won a couple Lumpini or Rajadamnern. No, no, no,
1: Four-time Lumpini champion.
0: There you go. You <laughs> got it. I I should have known that because I helped build out his website, but yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but he he built a lot of good guys like yeah. uh, Sean Kearney. Mm-hmm. Um, he built uh, Jordan Coe, yep. who unfortunately passed away um curtis Mm -hmm. Stadi, maroon halal was there for a while he knows how to make foreigner fighters and that's not something all thai trainers know how to do because it's different that's true 100 percent. so you obviously had a few fights out of llama moons Mm -hmm. what was that experience like well these were my first fights in
1: thailand so they were like mind-boggling every single fight was like (laughs) <laughs> it just blown blew my mind, like, how fights went on here, you know? I knew it was wild, and every fight we went to, we were coming with Lamna Moon, of course, so, yeah. you know, eyes were on us, mm-hmm. and we were, like, the only foreigners fighting on the card. I had dreads at the time,
0: too, so I was, like, you know... Uh, so weird. Yeah, people were... I mean, for Isan, for it's, yeah. like, yeah... Probably never seen a person with dreads, yeah, many probably other never seen a black person, yeah,
1: let alone a black person with dreads and it was it was just wild. The kids, my first fight, there were a group of kids who followed me everywhere. I was getting oiled down, they were right there. I went up to sit on the podium because I was the next fight. They went
0: up and sat right next to me. I'm like, Yo. you had an entourage, I know
1: I had an entourage. it was awesome
0: yeah. Um, how many fights did you have in the countryside?
1: Uh, I was there for two months. I had three fights.
0: Yeah, that's very good. I think that's one of the great things about fighting in the countryside as mm-hmm. well. Lots of regular fights. They're yeah. very low pressure. Mm-hmm. It's a bit disorganized, but it's yeah. low pressure. It's a lot of really good experience, though. Yeah. I think that is something a lot of Americans really miss out on. Um, yeah. And it's also important because... A lot of times, Isan is the birthplace of the sport. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of fighters are coming from the rural northeast. Yeah.
1: And you can see it, man, when you watch those little kid fights. Like, they fight with perfect technique, and they Mm -hmm. never get tired, and it just blows my mind.
0: So, after you were at Llama Moons for a while, you Mm -hmm. came back, and then you went, you got on the IFMA team. Yep. And then, what happened after, oh, how did you do in IFMA?
1: If I had three fights, I won all three. I got gold. Oh, bam. fought Ecuador, fought Peru, and fought Brazil.
0: Oh, good. good. Yeah. So um, so you got gold in the Pan Ams, and then you came back with some bling.
1: Came with the bling, of course. And then
0: what, what happened next?
1: And then after that, I went to... Um, oh, I had already got my... Uh, no, I didn't already buy my ticket. The next month, I bought my ticket to come to Thailand. Mm-hmm. After I came back from Thailand my first time, I had a plan that I was moving here. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was already set that it was happening. But I came back in December and then in February.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, re- I sort of remember Marcy saying something about it. Oh, mm-hmm. this kid, Jaliel, he's really good. Mm-hmm. He said he's going to move. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Because, you know, a lot of people will say they're going to do something, but don't do it. And yeah. a lot of Americans will be like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to come out, I'm going to come out. Yeah, man. And there are not many Americans out here.
1: No, and I see there's a lot of guys with crazy talent, and I'm like,
0: man, just come. Yeah, just come. And the I mean, the thing is, it's not as hard as people think. Mm-hmm. It is harder in some ways, yeah. like we were talking before, but it's not as hard as yeah. people think. But, you know, more people need to do it, basically. Once they jump
1: that gap, it's...
0: So you came out here in February. So talk a little bit about what coming out here at first was like. Where did you go? (laughs) What happened to you? So
1: I landed here uh, Monday morning, pretty much, almost at midnight Mm -hmm. uh, on the Sunday-Monday. And so I waited five hours, took a taxi straight to F.A. Group. (laughs) and they were getting ready to do their morning run i dropped my stuff off and i ran with the team oh
0: that's so early yeah and i mean you know i i was i trained at the gym for a year and a half and i worked there for a year i never went on one morning run what not one not one it was so early what yeah it was so early I I lived away from the gym, uh, yeah. and I never went on the morning runs. So I was like, bro, Fuck that. never <laughs> once. Yeah, never once. Anyways, but you got up, you went running to Chaturchuk Park. Yep. Actually, maybe I did it twice. Yeah. But probably not. I can't remember after so. and a whole
1: year. That's not a lot. Twice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> twice in a month isn't a lot. alone. <laughs> So you you went running. Yeah. You got off the plane literally and went running. Yeah,
1: I hopped off, went running, and I was lucky as hell because I got to be Yotin's partner. For, mm-hmm. You know, every day I was there. I mean, four days into training, uh you know, I was training hard as hell. Four days into training, after morning training, Krudi was like, "Hey, you fight tonight," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Okay, what well, weight?" And he's like, "Ah, survive, so survive." So yeah. Like, All right, cool. So, I fought in Ayutthaya, yeah, yeah, like, my fourth day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how did that fight go? You, didn't you win by knockout?
1: Yeah, I won by knockout. It was, uh, how
0: much did you make for it? What was your opponent like?
1: Uh, my opponent was, he used to be really good back in the day. I was yeah. told, uh, Sanpon, or Dechapon or something. He was, like, a big fighter back in the day. Mm-hmm. But kind of, you know, near yeah. the end of his. Made 4,000 baht, that fight. So, not a ton? Not a ton, No. Um, yeah, I cut him up, I gave him, like, three cuts, so after the fight, I went and apologized to him, and, you know.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a lot of stitches, especially for, you know, a 4,000 bot fight, it's sort of like, uh, I know, like, when I've gone out to the countryside and fought, um, a lot of times I'll fight out of War Watana with Mm -hmm. Francis, and she'll be like, oh, you know, don't use elbows, you you're not really making that much money. Yeah. You don't want to get caught. They don't want to get caught. Like, yeah. You know, gentlemen's agreement mm. is you don't elbow so much. But Yeah. I mean, first it's round. It's a game was, as well. Yeah.
1: First round, he kind of hit, hit me with a really hard hook that, like, dazed me round one. So I was uh, like, okay. The fight yeah, starts
0: now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, maybe he was like, oh, uh, Ginmo. Yeah. Oh, I go, I <laughs> he's go, fat he's got a finisher no 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 <laughs> like gin mu is like uh to eat pig like mm. oh the foreigner is easy oh uh, you know so you can say that like mm-hmm. or sometimes the thai commentators will be like my mu my mu mm-hmm. like not a pig not yeah. e- not easy meat oh. you know my Moo. yeah so mm. Oh, I'm I'm not like a tomato can. I'll have to get a shirt that says that and wear it to my fights. <laughs> yeah. My moo. Yeah, you're you're no pig. Yeah, I ain't <laughs> no pig. Um, and so you had the fight in uh, Utah. Mm. Um, how long were you at FA Group, and did you have any other fights?
1: Yeah, I was at FA Group for three weeks total, and I had two fights. I had that fight on my fourth day, and then uh, like a week and a half later, I got to fight at Lumpini mm. on two days' notice. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, it was the second to last show before Lumpini closed yeah. <laughs> because of COVID. So it was an empty stadium, just you know the fighters and a few staff workers. But it was amazing. I fought a guy from Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a good fight
0: by Ginmu Lublau. Mm. No, he was he was a difficult, he, uh, was, he, was, he was pretty good. Yeah. So a lot of the Uzbekistan fighters are, have more of a kickboxing background. Yeah. Than. I would say, in general, are not very strong. Yeah. He was
1: definitely a puncher kicker. Mm-hmm. Not strong in the clinch. That's where I took him over. You yeah. know, And outscored him. I got his back a few
0: times, and I was just yeah. Like, okay. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> then. Uh, you made like six thousand baht for that uh, fight. Oh
1: man, how much did I get paid for the Lumpini fight? Probably six. I don't yeah. remember, but I know it wasn't four.
0: Yeah. The Omar has fought on there once and Ethan um Ethan mm-hmm. I, uh Kwai Chong. Yeah, I, yeah. I always <laughs> fuck up his name. I'm so terrible. Ethan Quinoa Yeah. From <laughs> Wooden Man. Yeah, Ethan from Wooden Man fought there. <laughs> Um, it was a Lumpini World Champion Show, which was a good. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's the same one you fought on. Oh, okay. bro, really? The uh, the Saturday night show. It's mm. not super high level. Mm. The pay was like six thousand baht. Mm. It's not amazing, but it's yeah, good experience. It's really good you know, experience. it's very good experience. It's a little bit of a step up from the countryside. Yeah. But it's not like you know a massive jump. Yeah. Um. So and then COVID happened. Yeah, and then COVID happened. So, you were at FA Group.
1: Yeah. Cracking along. Everything was shutting down. They're like, okay, we're gonna have to send everyone home soon. So, I had my friend Tucker who lives in Chiang Mai. I was like, okay, I'll go visit Tucker for a while. And I got it when I got up to Chiang Mai. That's when like provincial travel shut down. You know, so everything shut down. down. Yeah, lockdown here. And uh, so I ended up having to, I was on a tourist visa at the time, 60 days, so I was like, okay, I need to switch over to a student visa f- fast, so... And to have a student visa, you need a place, you need a residence. So, I had to get a condo. I got a condo, and then I got my student visa in Chiang Mai.
0: So, yeah.
1: Only three months at F.A. Mm. Um, or three weeks at F.A.
0: Yeah, and then you're in Chiang Mai. Uh, what happened, mm. you know... How long were... You've been up there for a while, yeah. obviously. Um, where did you start training? What was mm-hmm. it like during quarantine? Yeah, During quarantine... Oh, yeah, quarantine and lockdown.
1: Me and Tucker trained just w- with each other in yeah. his yard during quarantine, you know? And then uh, once I started looking for a place, I can't. I walked across sit da which is this... It's an old... I, I heard they used to have a good amount of champions back in the day, but... It's just a home, a little home gym now, mm-hmm. and the owner of the gym let us train there for free.
0: That's cool. So
1: yeah, me and Tucker started training there um, all COVID long, pretty much mm-hmm. until um, gym started to open back up, mm-hmm. and then we, uh, I went to Warisan Thai. I started training at Hong Kong for like a month, mm-hmm. and then I went to Warisan Thai, mm-hmm. where I'm at now.
0: And you've been at war, war Sentai for three or four months now? Yeah, about
1: three or four four
0: yeah. months. It's a solid gym for sure. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, on the outskirts of Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. They've had like a couple of good foreigners there, like uh, Lisa Breely yeah. and Ian Greer mm-hmm. from Minnesota uh, yeah. was there for a little bit. What is training there like?
1: Um, it's very good. They have a specific Sentai style where it's... Um, it's like a stadium, beautiful, mm-hmm. you know. It's like a visually pleasing uh, mm-hmm. style. And I wouldn't say I'm a visually pleasing fighter. So it's really good for me to get this perspective of fighting. It's improved my game. I wasn't seeing much change in my game in the first few months. In like month one and month two, I felt like I was kind of like faking, you mm-hmm. know, the Sentai style. But then now I'm seeing how it's like developing into my style.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm really appreciating it. The I went there once and did pad works with Sock, mm-hmm. uh, who's a very good trainer there, one of the head trainers, yes. and he definitely has a distinctive style. Yeah, which I when I look at Lisa Brealey, mm-hmm. I definitely s- see, uh, yeah. and it's good. They also have a uh, Lomani, I think was there for a bit. Yeah. Uh War Santi, another good lightweight fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you you started training at war santai and then we we hooked up we met up at around sometime then right yeah, yeah. uh I've... we
1: met up the first time we met was when i was training at fa group i went to super champ to corner one of my friends that's oh, when i first yeah, yeah. met you yeah and i was like
0: hey <laughs> what up yeah
1: you were like hi i'm matt lucas yeah. And then you shook my hand, and then someone else came over, and you started shaking his hand, too, at the same time. Oh, really? And you shook both of our hands for, like, ten seconds straight. Yeah, and I'm a like, double shaker. I was like, this dude's kind of weird. <laughs> <I> <laughs> let, let go of my hand already. Oh, uh, you're hating.
0: <laughs> you, you're just hating. Um, so let's go um, talk a little bit about your first fight at max. When uh-huh. was uh, – this is your fifth fight at this max? This will be my fourth fight. Fourth fight, so it was like four yeah. four months ago. July, so. July, July. Um, like I, mm-hmm. I can't remember that much. Yeah, Cause there's always like so many fights all the time. It's
1: yeah, I fought kunkla Class, someone from Chiang Mai. Uh huh. <laughs> um, it was a good fight. It was just like a like knocking the rust off, seeing where I'm at, like mm. also developing our relationship and seeing yeah, like what yeah. we want to like work at and build off on. So
0: it was a just a good fight. Yeah, I, oh yeah, Ali McConney was in your corner. Tucker, Tucker came down, and yeah. you know we went and had a few beers after. You were a good boy, <laughs> yeah, and didn't drink. Yeah. I, I was like,
1: d- I don't drink alcohol.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, he's a little square, but at least he's not getting into trouble. I'm square, square, but I'm sharp though. So, um, since then you've you've had a few more fights at Max. What have mm. those fights been like? yeah
1: the competition just keeps getting tougher. Next fight I fought Boonlai. Um,
0: yeah he's, he's r- tricky really he's technical yeah, guy and solid fighter. yeah,
1: I just made him fight my fight and you know came out victorious and then I fought uh, Thomas Chai Chirun. yeah
0: which, he's a former stadium level yeah, fighter.
1: He was much harder to like make fight my fight. It was mm-hmm. more of a um, dog fight per se, but in the later rounds I got to him. Just pre- pressing the pace, so all in all, I'd say. Yeah. Well, did you
0: knock out Thomas or you won on nah, points? I went on did... points.
1: I got a. I dropped him in the
0: third. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> so I hard excited and yeah. to knock him out. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I remember. <laughs> and you you're your, Yeah, I your got all spastic. Wild. I was like, oh fuck, Jaleel. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's okay. Like, you weren't too happy, but I was really happy. <laughs> yeah. I had fun. <laughs> was that, Thomas was the one where you got cut across the cheek?
1: Yeah, he cut me on my cheek, and it was an elbow that missed. Yeah. It just grazed
0: me. Um, so, you've obviously been to a few gyms now. Mm-hmm. How do they differ? What sort of common threads do you see in the gyms out here in Thailand? Oh,
1: common threads? I'd say everyone. The common thread is everyone runs, everyone clinches, everyone hits pads, everyone hits the bag. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone trains hard. Um, but some of the differences, like at FA Group, after you run, you clinch for like
0: you know thirty oh, in minutes the plus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so much clinching at yeah. FA. Yeah.
1: You clinch immediately, yeah. and I think there's just little things like it's one ring. There's mad people in the yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. You it's know,
0: real. And you Cram. have to
1: be, like, aware, yeah. you know? And it just yeah increases your clenching, like, just a bit more.
0: The, the guys at FA are always very, very strong. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's not like, I would not say it's the most technical of gyms, mm-hmm. but everyone's very, very strong. Yeah.
1: They do what they do, and they do it well.
0: Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. <laughs> and then what about Llama Moons uh, versus uh, War Sentai? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, Lamna Moon, um, when I was there, it was good because Lamna Moon being um, a knee fighter, we had a lot of, you know, knee critique and knee technique. Mm-hmm. But he also one of the trainers that was there was Rungrat mm-hmm. Ma check Bin, mm-hmm. which was he Here here comes the check. Yeah. Ma Chek yeah. when he like punches a... you, he's asking for the check. Yeah. You know? And he actually he beat Yod Kunpan, the elbow hunter of hundred stitches, oh. cut up Yod Kunpan oh. with punches. So I got to work with him and, like, just... It was it was a plethora of knowledge there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just really hard. Isan, long training, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Long, hard training. Which was really good for me. And then at uh, Sentai, it's, like I said, much more technical. I train a lot with Shui, who is, like, a femur, really smart fighter. Um, and it's kind of, like, a normal regime, training-wise. It's mm-hmm. not, like... FA where it's like the clenching sticks out to me but yeah they just teach you how to look good and how mm-hmm. to fight smart
0: so speaking of looking good and fighting smart mainly looking good mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what is your lifestyle out here how do you keep good looking how do you stay good looking uh, man. regular haircuts
1: shout out to my moms for the staying good looking part <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lifestyle-wise, um, I really just train. I, I like to keep a solid routine. Sometimes my routine will slack off and, like, I'll start to feel crappy. So I like to, even if I don't, like, if it's after a fight, I like to wake up early. I wake up at, like, 5, and I'll read and write and then uh, do, like, my morning run and workout around, like, 6, 6.30. And, you know, come home, eat, nap, and the basic training regime really helps uh, keep me feeling like myself.
0: Yeah. And you said you read and write in the mornings. What sort of stuff have you been reading? What sort of stuff have you been writing?
1: Um, right now, I am reading The Inner Game of Tennis, which is like a it's like a new way to look at how to reach peak performance. And he uses tennis as his like sport of choice, but it's, it's relative to all sports. Um, and writing-wise... I I document, like I've been writing, I have a lot of prompts, like I'm documenting my stay here, uh, writing just short stories about experiences I've had, uh, creative writing on prompts that I've had,
0: and journaling, pretty much. Have you read that many um, sports psychology books at all? Um,
1: I've read a few, not many, like I've read, uh, what was the book called? I forget what it's called. It's the learning... Have you read this book before? It talks about myelin, like the myelin and uh, how like when you're learning something, you're adding like fat to the strands of myelin in your brain called like the learning curve or something Mm. like that.
0: No, I have not. Um, Not many. Yeah, I do think sports psychology books are very good, Mm -hmm. very helpful because... A lot of the trials and tribulations that fighters go through, other athletes go through, yeah. it's slightly different, but there's still common threats. Performance anxieties, yeah. you know, when you lose, when you win, how to do yeah. self actualization, doing goal setting, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Like important things. Yeah. You know? I think
1: one of the best books I've read for it is called Killer Athletes. Mm-hmm. where it pretty much is just a bunch of short, informative paragraphs that, about special operations uh, military personnel and how they deal with performance anxiety, you know, in like, the most extreme case scenario. And just uh, that really helped me get a good perspective for when I fight.
0: And what do they specifically do? Um,
1: like, it'll talk about uh, butterflies mm-hmm. and how butterflies is just blood leaving your stomach to go to your muscles because your body is getting ready to prepare, Mm -hmm. you know, so instead of for thinking of like, oh, I have butterflies, like, I'm just getting nervous, I'm not ready. It's like, Mo, my body is getting ready Mm -hmm. to fight, you know, it's perfectly natural.
0: Yeah, a a lot of times I hear good level athletes or professional fighters sort of changing negative emotions into Mm -hmm. positive ones or not seeing a reaction in a negative manner rather they reframe it yes it's re just that reframing of like this is happening it's a good thing rather than this is happening it's a negative thing
1: yeah that's a big thing that i've been dealing with uh that i'm actually just fascinated with is mental toughness and mental toughness is just reframing things that people might see as like curses or bad things that happen into just a challenge and an opportunity to like better yourself
0: you know uh speaking of bettering yourself uh you are now on the muay thai gram team yeah. Uh, yeah shout out muay thai uh, gram <laughs> obviously one of the reasons for this interview what how did that happen what do you think you can get out of the sponsorship mm-hmm. what do you sort of give you know yeah. can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah, how it happened is um, well, I've just been working with you and working my ass off to build. Not really, like, I haven't been working to build a profile for myself. It's kind of just been happening, you know, like, uh because I've just been working and I'm on social media. And, uh yeah, it just came about. Muay Thai Graham was looking for a, f- a few athletes to, like, have as ambassadors and to, like, help expose and to build, you know, and uh, right place, right time, you know.
0: Yeah. What are some of the things that you feel you can get out of the relationship?
1: They have a huge following, like Muay Thai Grimm, And just being one of the ambassadors and to, like, rock that, you know, like, they share my fights and make, like, cool-ass posters and all, all these things for exposure. And so it's really good for, like, my, my profile and uh, Matt and helping me get my fights. Um, just so many things that, like, a lot of people go without, you know, mm-hmm. help or have to do
0: themselves. Yeah. Um, that they take care of. And then in some ways it ties in with some of your other sponsors can you mm-hmm. talk about and you have two other sponsors uh, Patrick Rivera and Economic Properties Yeah. how did those come about what are, what's that relationship um, like
1: those two are okay so Patrick Rivera it's kind of the same these two guys uh, Economic Properties and Patrick Rivera they really like see something in me you know and they like care about my journey a lot. Like Patrick Rivera, he's deep in the Muay Thai community, of course. And um with him I'm right now he he just he just sees my vision and where and he believes in me, you know, and he wants to help me get there. So right now, um, yeah, he gives me a certain amount of money per fight and that helps out like a ton. And the same thing with economic properties. Um, The guy who owns that, he just believes in me, you know, and wants to help, wants to help me along the way. Like, I, I'm very blessed. Like, I have a lot of people in my corner who really just, like, believe that I can do it. And it kind of like, I'm like, damn, like, I guess I really can do it. Like, these dudes just like help me out so much so i'm really grateful for like my sponsors like really grateful for patrick rivera and economic properties muay thai like it really humbles me you know
0: yeah it's in a lot of ways i see it in a similar manner as like there's sort of two ways to look at it is one is just a patronage Mm -hmm. uh so like you have patrons Mm -hmm. with sort of the same thing as like a in the middle ages where it's like some you know, a well-off guy yeah. just likes fucking art, so yeah. he pays an artist. Yeah. He's like, "Go make some yeah. fucking art." Like, yeah. I love it. I I think in some ways it's the same. Yeah. Um, and then the other way is to look at it is like a little bit more of a career development side. Mm-hmm. So, people in higher positions or and positions in authority are looking for people to bring up. Mm-hmm. To build not their profile, their brand, and basically build the industry yeah. by building potential talent within the industry. That makes sense. So it's, at least for Muay Thai Graham speaking as what you know a Muay mm-hmm. Thai Graham owner, it's that's sort of the way we're looking at it. Yeah. It's like okay, we're building people within the community mm-hmm. as like talents and mm-hmm. representatives to mm-hmm. give them skills mm-hmm. and. Resources that they might not have had otherwise, yeah, and in the process of doing so, we're also learning skills, um obviously, I'm making a lot of the posters, yeah, the first posters I made were ugly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean they weren't like that bad, but yeah. like they weren't they weren't cool,
1: yeah,
0: but I definitely feel like you know, okay, I had to do it all the yeah. time, and I was like, man, this sort of sucks, you know, uh-huh. I gotta get better at this, um. And now they're cool, yeah, and they're—I they're, think at least that they're better than a lot of the fight posters yeah. in America. You yeah. know, yeah. And you know that's that's important. That's mm-hmm. like a real skill to have developed. Definitely,
1: I agree. Like it's not the corny flames and like you know, you know what I'm talking about—the yeah, flames yeah, yeah. and skull and crossbones. Like it's legit posters, and it's pleasing. to and, buy.
0: The other thing is that it's showing other athletes this is something that they can do. Yeah. This is like an avenue for them. So mm-hmm. people listening, you have a fight coming up. A very, very easy thing to do is make a poster for yourself yeah. and put people that help you out on the poster. Yeah. And when they see their names, they become more invested in you. Yeah, for sure. Like put your gym name, you know, mm-hmm. put... Your mom or dad helps you out with like your gym membership? Yeah. Put, you know, Mr. mom or you yeah. know, Mr. mom, Mr. mom, Mrs. Mr. dad, dad. Yeah. you know who, you know whoever. Like uh, for Omar his parents sup- help support him. Yeah. So his dad has a company. Mm-hmm. Um and we just say, "Oh, Halabeek Enterprises or whatever." Yeah. Um and it makes his dad feel good because mm-hmm. his dad is his patron. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's seeing proof of, you know, the work and the art that yeah. Omar is putting out, and he's getting additional, you know, benefits from it. Yeah,
1: I think me personally, like, I struggle with trying to find that like munif- mutual beneficial relationship, especially with guys like patrick rivera and economic properties because like they're investing in like my passion Mm -hmm. right like i would die for the things that i'm doing right now Mm -hmm. you know and it's like almost a priceless thing that they're doing that for me so it's like what could i even possibly do for these people that would like pay them back you know
0: Mm -hmm. i think the you know that lies in the patreon side Mm -hmm. you know some some people just want to be like I have a shitload of money or I have a shitload of resources. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Like, who knows if this is ever going to help me, but I don't care. Yeah. Like, I didn't have this opportunity before, so, okay. Fuck it. Just help you. You know, yeah. whatever. That makes sense. I mean, I, I think that's the way, you know, some people see it, at least. Yeah. Um. So, obviously you've been out here for a while now. Mm. Um, what are some of and this is a little bit of a tired question, but still like asking it. What do you feel some of the differences are between here and the States, and mainly in terms of Muay Thai and Muay Thai culture? In
1: Muay Thai, um, oh, we kind of talked about it earlier today, like, uh, and this is just something that's prevalent to me, is um, I know we respect our trainers in America you know, to a certain extent, but here, a teacher, period. Your trainer, your Muay Thai trainer is a teacher. Your Thai language teacher is a teacher. And there's such a high respect for your crew, you know, your teacher. And sometimes in America, we think money equals, you know, respect. So, like, oh, I pay my trainer every month. Like, I'm doing my end of the bargain. Now he, but they don't, they expect more of a, culturally, like, they want Affection, You Mm -hmm. know, they want like, hey, how you doing? Maybe in between rounds, like massage him, let you know, let him know that you like love him, you know, show him like, like treat him like you would someone you really hold endearing, you know. And like, I think that's something just like treating people with more. Because I mean, me, when I'm in fight mode and training mode, I like to have fun, but sometimes I go into tunnel vision, you know, and I just get shit done and I feel like that can come off as oh, he's just like, you know, uh, shit for long, just pays his dues and leaves, you know. Like, not like shit, but it, there's just small cultural differences that even if you're not trying to be disrespectful, you might be accidentally disrespectful if mm-hmm. you're not paying close attention, you know. So you really have to take your time and, like, pay attention. How do the Thai boys treat the trainers, you mm-hmm. know, okay maybe i should do that like do they say hello do they go when they walk in do they say hello to every single person maybe i should say hello to every single Mm -hmm. person you know just little things like that
0: yeah i do think that's a good point especially about the money relationship Mm -hmm. uh a lot of foreigners come out here and assume that they're they're paying their dues so it's a service yeah and paying a the dues to be in a gym is not—it's not a service. Mm-hmm. It's entry into a community yeah. and entry into a world. I like that. So, when you're you're paying to enter into someone's house mm-hmm. and be potentially a long-term member of a family, mm-hmm. and when you're doing that, you need to care about the the family, and you know there's. Can be people older than you that have more experience than you that want to help you.
1: 100%.
0: And they're not they're not there just for the money. Yeah. You know, I mean it is a money thing. It is absolutely a money thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not 100% and people need to care about their trainers and care about the other fighters and, you know, doing little things like you were saying. Mm -hmm. A very good thing to do when you roll up into a gym for the first time is buy a bunch of sponsors. Yeah. Uh after a fight. Mm-hmm. Buy some sponsors. Oh you yeah. did really well, okay. Maybe buy like your trainer a bowel whiskey. Yeah. You is know? This is
1: free game, guys. Yeah, yeah. Buy some eggs. Like buy a dozen eggs. Yeah. Th- buy a bundle of bananas. Like
0: Yeah, fruit mm. fruit and food is always good to get. Yeah. You know, people like T shirts, yeah. Jeans, yep. like, you know, stuff like that where yeah. You know, it wouldn't really register with us, but mm-hmm. it goes a long way. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I care about you. Okay, mm-hmm. here's some, you know, here's some stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess wrapping things up, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about?
1: Um, I felt like we would have talked a little more on, like, the guys who want to come here. Mm-hmm. but don't mm-hmm. you know i feel like there are a lot of fighters even around my age who i can tell they want to fucking come here really bad you know and they just never do mm-hmm. and like i am afraid for them to miss that opportunity to come you know i know this will probably be published during covid but like listen while it's covid you need to be fucking planning like write down a plan about how you're going to get here as soon as borders open like if you've been telling yourself you're going to come and you haven't or you have a girlfriend or you have a job or your coach doesn't want you to come it doesn't matter like if this is something you want to do you you have to make it happen no one's going to no one's going to do it for you you know so like let that be like your last warning from Jalil <laughs>
0: yeah i mean that is very very true one of the things yeah. about covid is that it showed us things can happen and your access to certain things can be cut off very very quickly yes and you need to take advantage of the opportunities you have yeah and americans and people abroad had lots of opportunity to come to thailand and fight and build themselves yeah some people have done it some people haven't you know if people are wavering or maybe thinking about it yeah When the door is open, you need to come. Yeah.
1: Everything other than action is inaction. Planning, thinking about it, you know, it's all inaction. Until you actually do it, you haven't done it.
0: You know, that's it, really. Well, thanks so much, Jaleel, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking your time out.
1: Thank you so much. All right. (laughs) Later. Peace.
0: So that concludes the interview with Khalil. I really see big things going for him. He's a great guy, um, a great athlete as well with good work ethic and attitude. He's got a great mindset, so I can definitely see why he's gotten so far in America. I definitely you know, hope for the best for him as he's out here. It's been really great working with him over the last six months or so. He's had four fights at Max. He, hopefully, he will have a fight at Moiman's Wansuk soon. We are seeing what's happening there. And yeah, he's got a bright future. Great kid. Um, definitely advise following him on Instagram and other platforms. His IG name is Boy Kiao. See, so B U A K I E uh let me look this up uh b-u-a-k-i-e-o-w underscore muay thai so that's again that's b-u-a-k-i-e-o-w underscore muay thai great guy again he's got a lot going on for him so i am very happy to get the chance to support him This has been I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.